0: Good morning. Uh, so we are in First uh, John. Um, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter one, um, uh, and our focus will be uh, verses five through ten. Uh, Dad went through uh, uh, the first four verses uh, last time, but uh, we'll probably read them again. And uh, one of the one of the things that uh, if if you've if you've read through the book you'll you'll notice is that there are a lot of recurrent themes where uh John'll talk about something and then talk about it again and talk about it again and just kind of a uh, some people call it a a circular book where he keeps revisiting things uh some people called it um the organization uh, symphonic where you know in a symphony very often in the first uh, the first few uh measures even you can hear what the theme the the melodic theme is going to be and then the whole rest of the symphony is variations on that theme and uh, you'll you kind of get that idea as we go through first john there are a lot of themes that go through um and it's uh for that reason it it's probably a, a little more difficult to pick out a a single theme that he has um because there are many. Um, now compare, uh, we, um, we went over and, and over uh, John chapter 20, uh, verse uh, 31, as the theme for the Gospel of John. Uh, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Very explicit what the theme was going to be. However, as you, as you go through 1 John uh, over and over, can't hear me. We can hear, just not. Building. Thank you. You're welcome. So, if you go through the book of John, um, we've got this one theme. If you go through the book of 1 John, and, and read through it, very frequently you'll see, um, you know, I'm writing these things and then a phrase. I'm writing these things and then a phrase. So there may be a number of candidates for what the theme would be. Now, many people go to uh, 1 John five thirteen. 13. Um, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, so that sounds like a good candidate to be a, th- a theme. Um, however, if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I'm writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Um, and in chapter 2, uh, there's almost like a little poetic session uh, where I'm writing, you know, for a number of different reasons, and then at the end he says, "I write the, at the end of chapter two, I write these things uh, because they're people that are trying to deceive you, uh, so uh, a lot of purposes that he has uh, as he writes and it, it got me thinking I, I, I listened to myself the other day as I was trying to explain something you know a big part of my job is is explaining things uh, sometimes it 's explaining things that i would like to have happen for uh, the person very often though it's explaining things that some other specialist has decided should happen and i'm i'm um, in the position of trying to explain what i think that specialist intended because the translation wasn't always there um and that's i I hope i get it right but there sometimes i have to even read between the lines to find out what they intended um but i found myself explaining something that um, I explained dozens, if not hundreds of times before on a topic that you know I sometimes get kind of passionate about and everything and and it thought the thought occurred to me that here we have in in first John we have um, John the one of the uh, sons of thunder, uh, John the son of Zebedee, um, as a An old, wise man, a seasoned man, who has been around for six, seven, eight, nine, ten—maybe I don't know about ten decades. But um, if he was born around the roughly the same time as as Jesus was, if he was roughly the same age, and people put the dating of of uh, some of these writings in the last part of the first century, so you know he may have been somewhere in the the age range of this class, perhaps, um, had picked up a lot of themes that he cared about. And so that's why he keeps referring to those over and over. Um, Another thing, and I think Dad may have mentioned this, but there's a little debate uh, about, was John writing to um, a particular audience in the sense of um, refuting some bad doctrine um and some people have said first john was writing um to combat uh, gnosticism and uh, gnosticism was this kind of weird philosophy that says um the body is just the body what really counts is the spirit and there's not really a lot of overlap between the two and the spirit can become enlightened and and um uh knowledge, which the word Gnostic comes from, is is the most important thing, and a lot of distortions there. But other commentators pointed out that what we think of as Gnosticism and a lot of the heresies of Gnosticism really didn't kick in until maybe a hundred or so years later. Um, So they think John wasn't necessarily writing a point-by-point argument against some weird philosophy, but rather that there probably were some people that had been in the church um, there in Ephesus and perhaps the surrounding uh, cities, some people who had left the church uh, maybe because of bad theology and he wanted to offer some correction there. But it's much more um, the tone of a pastor and an, a, a, an elder, literally, of the church who was, just had, had distilled, you know, looking back over the course of his life, all that he had seen, all that he, we had heard, um, and really wanting to pass that on to these people. So you get that kind of a heart. And I think as you read through this, and some of this stuff that might sound kind of harsh, it should it should come from the place of someone who really loves the people that he is writing to, okay? Uh, also, um, it's written to believers, okay? So um, that'll come into play as we go through some of the things. So just to, just to pick up, uh, some of the things uh, to get a running start into this fairly short chapter. I'll begin with verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and which we have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life with, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may too have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In this passage, you're going to see terms that are going to be in the next five verses or six verses that we look at. Um, uh, And this isn't... uh, trying to repeat last week, but um, Tim Keller quotes um, a Bible scholar, uh, Dr. Robert Yarbrough, who says that when he says the things we've heard, seen, looked upon, touched with our hands, testify to, that those terms were actually terms that were used in the judicial system of the day and that this is the equivalent of John giving a deposition, that those are all the legal Points that that if you were really going to testify to something uh, in front of you know a, a ruling body, these are the points you would hit so that your testimony would be a- accepted. So if we think of that, it just adds to the weight of and the authenticity of of what he's bringing to us. Um, but you see, he he's talking about um, a relationship. He's talking about. Um, eternal life. He's talking about fellowship um, is written uh, several times. So uh, that's our, our preamble to uh, our focus in verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, it says, this is the message and we proclaim to you. Well, earlier, we've already seen that, right? Um, in verse 3, it says that which we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you. And they pointed out that the root word for message and proclaim is the same root, that he's really wanting to tie those two things together. There's this message, and I'm proclaiming it to you. Now, we use terms like this all the time, right? Um, message here is a noun, but we use it as a as a verb also, right? All right, let me just message you, like if we might want to send a text, well, let me just message you that, we might say. Or we might, in reverse, we might say, uh, we talk about the declaration of independence. So there's a declaration that is going to be declared. Or we might even say, here is a proclamation that we then proclaim. So we use those those noun-verb uh, pairs all the time. And even though. Uh, the translators of uh, the ESV that I'm using, the New American Standard that we typically use, which I, I must admit I'm kind of torn. So I've always used the New American Standard. About ten years ago, I went to the ESV. Um, the Bible, the uh, uh, our pastor has has gone to the New American Standard, which I think is a big upgrade over the NIV. Um, but I don't want to get rid of my Bible yet. So, <laughs> uh, and my old New American Standard is is really in shreds. So I'm I'm, I'm torn about what to do about that. So um, anyway, um, it's pretty close. Uh, so this messaging and proclaiming. So uh, he's really wanting to make the point that he's trying to translate um, the distillation of all that he's learned, all that he's seen, trying to just distill that down to um, what could be shared in a 15 minute, uh, conversation. Um, and you gotta get the idea that you probably, you know, we're human nature, right? If you've got something you really believe in, if you can get it down to a decent presentation, you just give it every chance you get, right? It's probably going to be different each time, but, um, I know dad and I, we probably repeat ourselves and say, oh yeah, he's, We've heard that before. We may have even told that story before. It's Just kind of that's that's the way human nature is. Um, so here's here it is. This is the message that God is light, and in Him no darkness at all. Um, much better speakers than than I am could probably go forth for a few hours on the topic of God as light. Uh, I'll. Uh, just mention a few um, passages that you're probably uh, will sound familiar. Um, Psalm 27, uh, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Um, There's several in Psalm 119. Um, Here's just one. Uh, The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Uh, We know that um, Jesus was called uh, the light of the world. Um, Let's see. Um, Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verse 8. um, Rejoice not over me, my enemy, when I... Fall or I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. So, so many things that we think of about God as light. Um, the provision of light to the world was such an essential part of creation. Um, it's a, it's an essential part of our every day, right? I mean, it does so many things. I mean, you you've heard the list. You know that it illuminates. It um, it provides. You know. Uh, we think of the precision of a laser and all the, the things that it can be do um, you 're old enough to remember CDs right every little every little um, i 'll never forget one time uh, Merritt had gone to a garage sale and picked up um, some children's books and there was a little golden books a read-along sort of thing and in the back was a 45. You're old enough to remember those too, right? And Anna took it out and held up said, Mom, this, what's with this funny CD? <laughs> and now there's a generation that will probably not even know what a CD is. It's crazy. But every little groove in a CD is etched by a laser. You know, uh, just such precision there. Um, some of you have probably had eye operations with uh, at the, the hands of a laser. Uh, just crazy what, what light can do. You know, entire companies now are being um, uh, supported from an energy standpoint by the solar panels that they have. Um, huge sections of the southwest, you know, just tons of, of solar panels uh, adding to... Uh, the electric grid, so we certainly get energy. Um, I've talked about robots that will head into an operating room and dispense ultraviolet light throughout the the OR to disinfect every surface that the light falls upon. So, so many different things. Um, for me, I, you know, there there are only a couple of things in my exam room, but they're both lights: one for the eyes, one for ears, nose, throat, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm known as the uh, finder of things in my house. Um, when things get misplaced, well, the first thing I do is turn the light on. <laughs> that helps a lot. You know, I use the light on my phone or, or whatever. It's just because that's how you find things. You just have to turn the light on. You know, um, uh, Merit had a necklace that was messing up this morning. First thing I had to do was get some light on the situation. So, light. There's so many positive things about light. It's hard to find something negative about light. And, you know, you can always go too far with the analogies. But it says, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Leads us into verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin so it says if we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth Um, this fellowship with him we're talking about fellowship with God Um, uh, it says while we can't have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness and it's easy to kind of get this backwards so uh, one commentator I'm going to see if I get this right It's not, the point they were trying to make was that where God is is where the light is. So if we're going to fellowship with him, we have to move to where the light is, right? If we're in darkness, we're more likely to be doing the things associated with that. And so it's not that we have to clean ourselves up get good enough to join God we just have to move into his light and then we're less likely to do those things that would be associated with the darkness um, so it's a little different than you might think at first um, but this uh, this fellowship we, fellowshipping with him while we walk in darkness in other words, we've just chosen to walk in a bad neighborhood you know and that's where we're hanging out. God's not there. We need if we want to go hang out with God, it will mean walking away from some of those other things, whatever those the, those things are. Um, some people have pointed out that some people see in these verses um, a test of life. In other words, Christian versus non-Christian, and that's really not the focus here. Uh, John is recognizing that Christians are not perfect. That Christians are going to sin. That Christians are going to at various points in their life be either in or out or moving toward or away from God's light uh, or God as light. Um, but that and that's why he's counseling us to kind of move closer to the light, because he knows that it's not going to always be that way. Uh, It says, if we have fellowship with him, this is back in verse 6, with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, if you think you're fellowshipping with God, but you're doing these other things, you're you're lying. And commentators point out that this is a lie of self-deception. It's not like you're lying to God. God knows. You're lying to yourself about your real status. Um, Pastor Bobby was talking with, uh, with us in a steering committee meeting the other day, and he said, uh, you know, um, uh, we're going through some theology stuff, and and he said um, a number of times he's had people who have come to him for advice who basically said, you know, well, well God has told me to leave my wife. <laughs> And, you know, to summarize, he basically said, No, he hasn't. <laughs> um, that to rob a bank. Right. Um, the short version of that is one of Dad saying, he said, well, God gets blamed for a lot. Um, and that's that's true, you know, um, God is not going to um, tell you to do something that's inconsistent with himself, right? Uh, so you know, if you are walking in darkness, um, and say you have fellowship with him you're just de- deceiving yourself. Um, it says you do not practice the truth. One commentator pointed out that this phrase of practicing the truth um, is only used by John. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't really meditated on that uh, to the degree that it deserves, but I would offer it um, for your consideration. What does it mean uh, when it says, uh, To practice the truth. Um, It's it's interesting there. Verse 7, if we walk in the light, this is comparing to verses walking in darkness. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Uh, So another little um, misstep you can make here, um, some commentators say, well, If we walk in the light, as he's in light, we have fellowship with one another. And that kind of makes sense, right? So if you've got a couple of Christians, if they're both in God's light, they're both on good terms, then they're going to have better fellowship with each other, right? That kind of makes sense. And there's some truth to that. But that's actually not what this is saying. (laughs) It says we have fellowship with one another. He's talking about between the believer and between God. You know, so, the concept is that you're you're in fellowship with God, you're in right standing with him you're you're enjoying each other's company right because you have moved yourself into his light and um and this uh this other phrase at the start of that verse, "If we walk in the light, one commentator compares that uh, he said if if it read, walk according to the light now i'm going to quote, basically, or paraphrase what this commentator said, I, I have my own follow-up questions to it, but but I understand what he's getting at, so I'll just try to, to make the point. He says, if this said, walk according to the light, he says that this would imply that we have to be perfect, but he says, if we walk in the light, that means that we are not necessarily perfect, but we are moving ourselves into that zone, so to speak of 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 god's uh light um, and again, he's making the point that John knows who's he who he's talking to he knows he's talking to people who are saved but not fully sanctified. that'll come one day down the road um, so we're we're going to sin, but it says. The blood of Jesus is sudden cleanses us from all sin, right? So this is, this is why Christians still need Jesus, right? Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is one of the verses that, that does lead people to believe he was kind of refuting uh, Gnosticism, because they might, the Gnostics might say, oh, well, I know my body is doing all these bad things, but my spirit's just fine. <laughs> right? Now, it certainly takes a high um, opinion of your own knowledge to kind of pull off that sort of a logic. I, 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 don't have, <laughs> I don't have that. And if I did, I'm not sure anybody would buy it. Um, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, That would refute one of those Gnostic things. And it may well be that God in his providence had had made John aware of these heresies that would ultimately take root in the hearts of some people, even a few generations down the road. Um, So uh, even though these are written out of his wisdom and, and his understanding of things, as opposed to him trying to um, uh, refute somebody else, they certainly come in handy for refuting other people uh, and other beliefs. Um, this self-deception that he refers to, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, speaking of... Uh, this concept of deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us and so forth. Um, and this whole concept of, of um, you know, infused throughout first John is the importance of who Christ is. Christ as God's son, as fully human, um, walked on the earth, was seen and touched by John um, you know all the human things that you could imagine Jesus doing, John saw him do, um, but yet he also saw him glorified and uh, infused in all that is is some great uh, doctrine there, and um, and we we have it, we know it, we trust it because we have a high view of the Bible, uh, and and where so many people nowadays are going astray is that. They don't have a high view of the Bible that much anymore. Um, there were... Um, uh, I had um, quoted uh, some months back on this uh, survey that was done called the, the State of Theology. remember I was talking about that. That um, 43% of evangelicals, okay, evangelicals, people who would believe what we call the gospel, thought that this statement was true, that Jesus was a good man, but he was not God. So this is why we still need to talk about, we can't assume anything anymore, right? And one of the things as as you talk with people, as you talk with your children, as you talk with your grandchildren, um, it's good to ask those questions. You can't assume anymore. Hey, what do your What do your friends say about about God? What do they say about Jesus? That's a That's a nice safe way of doing it because you don't have to ask what they think, right? What What are your friends saying about about Jesus? Do they think he's God. What you know? What do you think about that? Um, it's good to have those conversations. Um, by the way, um, in the coming weeks, um, Pastor Bobby and and probably Carson, who's who will have main responsibility about this, are going to be talking about um, uh, uh, a very useful tool that we'll have available, a bunch of resources that we'll have available um, uh, to share with people and, and to help counsel people. But there are also going to be some age-appropriate um, little projects that um, are designed to uh, have uh, age-appropriate conversations at least once a year with uh, with children. And so this could be something that you could say, hey, I've got a grandchild who's 11. Um, so this would be age-appropriate. You could have them over for a weekend, go through that project. And, you know, if you did that every year, uh, there'd be many opportunities where you could have really meaningful conversations um, uh, spiritual times with with them um, for training and so forth, and uh, so look for those resources. It's going to be really cool if uh, if if the little bit I've seen uh, is is reflected in the rest, and I, I think it will be. Um, verse nine: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Um, verse 10, just a, I mean, that's just another deception, right? If you think that, you know, I really haven't done anything that bad. I think I'm, I'm not that much in need of saving. So therefore, I'm not that much in need of a savior. There are many people nowadays who would believe with that. They would go with that. Um, and sadly, of course, that's just the ultimate deception. But back up to verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is commonly a verse that is a part of what you would learn if you were sharing the gospel with uh, a non believer, right? Does it apply to them? Yes. Was it written to them? No. This was written to Christians. So, again, John recognizes he's dealing with a lot of people who are in right standing and seen as righteous because of Christ's work on the cross, but they are not fully sanctified. They are still sinning, and they still need to confess their sins. It says, "...and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins." And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, what does it mean to be faithful and just to forgive our sins? Some people have kind of twisted this a little bit to say, well, well, God's God. He he has to. That's what he does. He forgives. He has to forgive me. You know, He's that He's just. You know, He just it's what He's supposed to do. That's not what this means. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He has to forgive us our sins because Jesus already paid for them. That debt has already been taken care of. It would be unjust if he didn't forgive us. Because you can't penalize twice for the same thing. Jesus already took it upon himself. That's what it means when it says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because it's already been taken care of. It's like if, you know, you're in the drive-thru line and some random person decides to pay your bill. You can't pay it. They're not going to take your money. It's already been paid. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The glaring assumption there is that we are still going to sin and that we are still going to confess them, and God is still going to forgive them. (laughs) Is it because any of that we deserve? Of course not. Um, That's the point. We don't deserve it. A little uh a little taste into chapter two, just as a preamble. We'll probably finish up a little early today, it looks like. Verse one it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Here we go. But if anyone does sin, wink, <laughs> uh we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. Um, we just went through Romans, right? Where we learned about Jesus being the propitiation, the, um, the satisfaction, the, um, all the, the things that are built into that, right? So penalty paid, wrath received, um, justice squared away, all those legal things that are in Paul's arguments, all taken care of. And that's why we can, John can say, he's faithful and just to forgive. All right. I'm going to start, stop there. Comments, questions? Well, you know I can't be quiet. You told me to. No, I'm I deserve that. Okay. Carry on. You talk about how he forgives us over and over. If we have to confess first. But if you look at verse 7, this says that same thing. It purifies, my, book, my Bible says purifies instead of cleanses. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say purified. Mm-hmm. It says purifies over and over and over again when we sin. Exactly. And on that point, you know, we don't come to faith in Christ based on how well we confess our sins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a sinner probably has no clue what all sins that they've done confessing your sins is actually not a requirement to become a christian repenting of them is but it's belief that's the essential ingredient there right um, so that's a, another point that uh, why this is talking to christians who else karen um, we are forgiven but there are still like, consequences. Just give it they don't absolutely so uh, we can sin, we can ask forgiveness, but there are still consequences of our sin. That's the way the world works, right? Yeah. Karen. Of those first-century Christians a lot of, lot, of time in the dark. That. Yeah, first-century Christians <laughs> spend a lot of time in the dark. Absolutely. Um, if we spend just a little time in the dark, it's weird, right? Uh, we we're we're never more than a, a flick of the switch. A, for, from light. Uh, but that would have been a big deal, right? Um, and oil would have been a precious thing. You wouldn't have wanted to burn it too much. Um, yeah. What else? Hey. Just uh, looking at verse one again, too, when you, when you mentioned that this is possibly about the Gnostics as well, I, I think back to the Christian scientists who who believe that uh, this body is nothing to worry about, it's all spiritual stuff, and Mary Baker Eddy, which is mm-hmm. up in Boston there, where I lived, was pro- proclaiming all this. But he speaks in this first verse. He heard, he's seen, he felt. You know, it's funny, these are bodily functions mm-hmm. that was expressed, you know, and that's how he came to Christ, if you will. He, he saw him in the flesh, he's testifying. So I think he really is kind of here. This is one of the strong uh, words that talk about uh, against this type of, of crazy. Because a lot of the Greeks had that. Mm-hmm. This is nothing new, as you know. I mean, yeah, this du- it, great point. Uh, this dualism of mind versus body, uh, yes, it, it wasn't, um, yes, it showed up a few centuries later, but it was present a few centuries before as well. And so all these statements, which, um, you know, I mean, you know, think about it. They were hanging out. Um, Jesus was in his uh, late 20s uh, when they first met. And, and you know, some of these guys may have been teenagers, you know. Uh, John didn't put it, but, I mean, he probably smelled Jesus past gas, you know. I mean, in all the ways that you could experience someone, he probably did, you know. um, I mean, it's real stuff. I mean, it's kind of funny if you think about it. Perhaps we should stop. <laughs> Ladies, that's just what guys do around <laughs> Too, many guys. Too many beans. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Father, we thank you that in all the ways that are possible, uh, we can experience you and that uh, you've given us your word um, uh, to to literally shine your light upon our lives and to um, uh, map out a, a zone perhaps that that uh, that has your light in it and can be a a beacon for us a a, a place to move toward uh, so that we can have more and more fellowship with you and uh, we pray that uh, you would uh, sharpen our ears and and our eyes. Um, uh, for false teachings that, um, are, are so pervasive today. Uh, give us, uh, uh, winsome words as we interact with, uh, friends and family and acquaintances who, uh, have just adopted the, the theology of the day, uh, and, um, and perhaps are deceived by that and, and not recognizing where they stand with you. And we just pray that you'd give us all opportunities, uh, to grow in our relationships, uh, so that we can, um, uh, be like uh, John and and share um, the, the truth with them uh, so that they may also join this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.